This is the Punk and Piledrivers podcast with your host, Big Bad Boris. Yes, my children, it is time for another episode of the Punk and Piledrivers podcast on the Love Wrestling Podcast Network. And this week, the law is in town. 2022 Love Pro Wrestling Referee of the Year, Stuart Ooh, I like Garvey. Hearing that. Hello, hello. <laughs> Stuart Garvey is my guest. Stu, what the hell's going on? Oh, not a whole lot. Prepping for, I mean, guess getting back on commentary with you, upcoming show, sounds like. Uh, yes, we're definitely going to talk about that a little bit later yes, for sure. That should be fun. Uh, other than that, I mean, not a whole lot. I've been, like, I haven't been able to ref. That's why I've been uh, on commentary. Like, I've been away with an injury, so I had a lot more free time than I typically have. Like, I haven't been able to hit the gym as much as I'd like haven't been into training really but yeah just trying to been trying to keep myself busy like been watching a lot of movies and stuff it's, all right let's talk, interesting. let's talk about you being named the 2022 referee of the year because when the uh the awards uh nomination list that that whole thing came about you you campaigned hard i was i was impressed you had a whole a whole like buttons and signs and posters and you were shaking babies and kissing hands like where did that all come from just just something something for fun or you wanted that real bad or what's going on with that i guess a little bit of both like i i had like the idea popped into my head after the whole nomination came up i thought like you know it might be funny to turn this into a, a bit of a political campaign thing and like if, if i want people to vote for me try and find a way for people to vote for me uh i don't often get a particularly warm reception at lpw <laughs> shows so i had to find something to have my my in there and you know it's and there's actually a, a poster a, a vote for stew poster hanging in the uh, clandestine wrestling society there is, which yeah. i laugh every time i'm there and i see it i kind of <laughs> laugh to myself so i think that's really cool yeah, thank you. I... So let's go back to the beginning and let's talk about how you kind of became involved in pro wrestling and where your love of pro wrestling came from. Man, I, I've i always been interested in it in like one way or another. Like no one in my family was particularly into it. But even from a kid, like I didn't have a whole lot of access to it. I, none of the really like TV stations I'd watch, but I'd always like, I'd find ways to find it online or little things like that uh, largely the video games is actually how i like really learned a lot about it okay because cool. uh yeah like an after school program at one of my or that my elementary school had i think it was smackdown versus raw 2008 uh so i like learned a lot through that i convinced my parents to get like the following game and learned a lot from there eventually started watching you know weekly and turned into going to indie shows and spiraled into all of this i haven't played any like wrestling video games in years and years and years but those old playstation uh, uh smackdown games were a lot of fun yeah i i really enjoyed those like yeah the svr ones and they've sort of been up and down recently i only like very recently got like the new game after having like not played one in a while and i it's like pretty solid it's like definitely a noticeable change with like in completely new like control schemes and everything, and like they've revamped the gameplay. But it's a it's a good time. Yeah. Somebody told me that you could like scan your own face and like put it in your creative wrestler. Is that true? I think so. They've sort they've sort of had that for a while, but yeah. I mean, I I used to be like very very into the whole create a character thing. Like I would. You know, as a kid growing up dreaming to be a pro wrestler, uh, you know, sort of scan myself in, try to make what I imagined my future self to be in a sense. And I guess hope to fill those shoes at some point. I guess we'll see. And I think that a lot of the younger wrestlers kind of do that. That that wasn't kind of available to the older guys like me, but I could totally see a lot of the younger guys like this is what I want to be, and this is what and and it's, it'd be interesting to see if we could go back and look at some of these guys, creative wrestlers back when they were younger, compared to what they turned out to now, and see what kind of similarities there are. Yeah, you have to, like it's an interesting outlet to be able to like, I guess, workshop things and develop ideas and like that you wouldn't really get otherwise. Absolutely. 
Um, yeah. So when did you decide that you wanted to start training? When did you decide this is something that um, I want to do? I mean, I always had some amount of interest in it when I was like growing up. I originally wanted to go to uh, Lance Storm. I wanted to go to the Storm Wrestling Academy mm-hmm. before he ended up shutting down. Uh, and at that point, I was kind of, you know, figuring out what my options were. There wasn't a whole lot in and around Edmonton without Storm. Uh, but then I saw MRB was holding a training camp and I had been going to PWA shows for a while and MRB was, you know, by far my favorite guy on the card. Like my first show was him versus Samoa Joe and like immediate fame. Okay. Without question. Like that match was fantastic. I've gone back and watched it repeatedly. It still holds up. That's okay. But... (laughs) (laughs) I like to bust his ball just because we're we're buddies, but yeah, oh, absolutely. Course, yeah. I mean, he got he got a chance to work a lot of those guys. I mean, for a reason because he's, oh, yeah. he's on that level. So for sure, yeah, he's he's that good. But yeah, I mean, like, so seeing someone who I was already like a fan of was holding these this, these like mini camps, I was there immediately without question. I like the first mini camp I went to, I was working the evenings, but like that whole weekend, and I didn't care. I was going like waking up early going to training from like eight to five or whatever the camp was go to work in the evening get back train again the next day beat up but yeah i i I wanted to do that so i was there no matter what and i think that's cool because that really shows that you want it you know the guys that really want it they make it work and they put in the hours and make the sacrifices how long ago was that it was a while like i've i've sort of unfortunately had like a bit of a stop start thing with training because that was like short like i guess a bit before the pandemic that i believe okay. was september of 2019 okay they held monthly mini camps that i went to wasn't like you know super regular training but like you know like one weekend a month kind of re- remember stuff uh i didn't get to like consistently start training until you know after the shutdowns after everything kind of started getting back to normal mm-hmm. then there was the secondary shutdowns yeah so and now, I mean, again, I'm out for a few months with injuries. I've had little things with it like that. Uh, it hasn't been quite as consistent as I wanted, but hopefully we'll hopefully we'll get somewhere. And like, you know, turning to refing and stuff has definitely like opened up a lot more options for me. Yeah, I think the, pan- the pandemic really put a monkey wrench in a lot of plans for... I mean, storylines and angles and yeah. people starting yeah, training and people continuing training. I mean, I, I was thinking about at work the other day how how crazy it's been in the last few years because when everything shut down, we were like, I want to say, a couple of weeks before the the PWA 19th anniversary show, and we were had a big giant yeah. show, and Nate planned, and Sean Spears I believe was coming back, and Luchasaurus was going to be on that show, and it was, you know, you know, we we do those where we did those, you know, two or three big Nate shows a year, and we were really gearing up for that, and then it just stopped, and. I always thought that it would come back and, and it, it didn't. I'm not, I don't know if it's going to, again, we talked to Kurt, uh, you know, a few months ago and I, I still don't know what's going on with that, but it was just weird that it was just there and then it wasn't, but like everything was just there. Like hockey was there and then it wasn't. And yeah, and it was, it's just a, a crazy time. And I think everybody's still kind of, I mean, not necessarily for me because like my life didn't change too, too much because like my store didn't close my shoot job stayed and I went to work every day, Mm. but I think it changed a lot of people's lives. And I think a lot of people are still kind of trying to get back to normal and trying to deal with it. And a lot of people feel like they lost like three years of their life. Like how far along would you be now if you could have had regular training that whole time the pandemic was happening? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think about that quite a bit, but I don't know. Like in a lot of ways, I'm really happy with where I'm at. Like the connections I've made through LPW and stuff like that, like through refing, through all of this. Like maybe none of that would have existed without the pandemic. Like it's, you know, it it was tough for tough for everyone. But like I try my best to look at the positives of it because like overall, I think I'm at a pretty good place. And who knows if I would have been 
here at all yeah, without all of that. Like definitely some weird blessings in disguise because I mean PWA shut down, but I'm loving what I'm doing in LPW and I think I'm personally doing some of the best work I've ever done and and having some of the most fun that I've had in my I I, I still I hate using the word career. I just think it sounds so weird. And yeah, I have you know, I'm 20 it. years in, so I, I could say it. I just it's just to me it sounds so douchey when I say career, but like I'm I'm having some of the most fun and doing some of the best stuff that I've done, you know, since I started. Uh, when you first started training, was there anything that really surprised you about, about you know, this is not how I thought this was going to be, or this is exactly how I thought this was going to be? I mean, the one thing that, like, stood out to me, you know, in a way was, like, how, not tough, but, like, how much running the ropes hurts. A lot like, of people say that. Yeah, it, rips, it rips up your skin, and yeah, for sure. Yeah, compared to like taking bumps, all this, like running the ropes, yeah, tears into your back. Especially like I'm a fairly skinny, like leaner guy. So like just cutting into my back, I'd have like bruises, just a line across my back <laughs> after some of those like initial mini camps before like, you know, building up calluses to it. But yeah, I guess hindsight, like that's one of the bigger ones. Some of it came surprisingly naturally some of it really didn't and you know took a lot of work but what did you struggle with the most oh, I'm trying to remember back like <laughs> i i like i didn't come from a highly athletic background like i done a little that bit here and there actually gonna be my next question was if you if you had any kind of athletics in the background or in the family i like i'd, I'd done like a few casual sports here and there like i'd I was pretty active, but not really like into sports. Like I, I was on like the slow pitch team in like junior high. And that was the only like official sports I did in <laughs> okay. school. And other than that, I was like hardcore music kid. I was like big time band kid. I, I was in like marching bands through uh, like seven to technically as a, recently is like last year because i was doing the uh the drum line for the edmonton elks for the oh, past, really like, five okay. yeah yeah uh i yeah i started to like i was initially playing drums in like a children's marching band switched to saxophone when i realized that like carrying this heavy drum for <laughs> a two-hour parade when i was seven years old might not work so well yeah uh yeah stuck with like that through most of high school kind of started doing drumline stuff again when i hit high school uh once i graduated i joined like a competitive drumline really okay yeah yeah uh which it, it's a it's a bigger thing in calgary than it is here but we were trying to make it more of a thing here well i know calgary has like the stampede marching band which is they like do yeah world like renowned class yeah. absolutely incredible uh, yeah, then there's a few like Red Deer has the the Red Deer Royals, which are really good. Calgary has like three really big, really significant, and then a few like school related ones. But like they have the big one, they have I believe the Stepsons, which is sort of a step down and like generally a bit younger. And then they have the Roundup, which are the like even younger like junior high. But all of those bands are usually typically like over a hundred people in each of the bands and like Edmonton, I think the highest I saw in like one of our groups was like 40 ish. So it's definitely like not as prevalent up here, at least anymore. That's but, really that's really interesting. So what drew yeah. you kind of got you into that? Let's let's take a little actually, you know what this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna go to your first track first. Okay. And then okay. we're gonna kind of veer off into that because I had no idea anything about that and I want to learn more about yeah. that. Uh, this is a music podcast as well as a wrestling podcast. Of course, my two loves. I remember the first time that I I don't know if I if we spoke much at the first couple of shows because I'm kind of not weird with new people, but just like I don't know, weird. I'm just weird. Uh, but yeah, I, I remember so you wearing a bad religion shirt, and I was like, okay, that guy's yeah. my kind of person. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, obviously a big punk rock fan. Where did you oh, before we delve in your first track? Let's talk quickly about where your love of punk rock came from. Um. Well. <sighs> It's kind of all over the place. Like I actually I picked my two songs very intentionally and I tried to keep like a theme between them. Uh, I tried to pick songs that came from like media that really influenced me when I was younger. Okay. So uh, 
Like, I don't know which one you're going to pull up first here, but uh, which one do you want? I'll let you pick it. I'll let you program. Oh, oh no, that's a big, that's a big choice. Uh, I guess we'll go. Uh, let's go dead Kennedy's first. Okay. Uh, we'll do California Uber Alice. So why'd you pick this, that one? Well, the first time I heard this song was the intro to Tony Hawk's American Wasteland. The funny is, you you say that with kind of a chuckle, but it really was and is. And I've had people mention this on the podcast before. Those video games, um, really, and those Punkorama CDs, really like a lot of people's kind of gateway into getting into it. And I think a lot of people uh, learn about a lot of cool bands from those video games. I think so. Oh, I think my I think my mic might have just disconnected. No, oh. I can still I can still hear you. Okay. Does it sound as good? It's it's fine. <laughs> okay. Uh. Well, yeah, no, those, those like games probably influenced my like taste in music more than I would have thought, like more than I think I realized up until like somewhat recently. Uh, yeah. And that like American Wasteland was my favorite of the ones I had. Like, I think I had like Pro Skater 3 and American Wasteland. American Wasteland was like the, it was the first like open world like skating game I had. That whole like culture, all of that was like the first real like exposure to it. So like this this song being like somewhat of an intro to that. And I think this song is like it's a perfect example for the Dead Kennedys, it's, like iconic band. First a perfect example of their like their like satire in a way. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of their songs are kind of goofy and like I guess a little bit mean spirited, but it's very <laughs> pointed. Like it's it's very intentional. It's very, and a lot of that complete, all of that completely over my head when I was a kid. Of course, of course, yeah. But like as I grew up, I like gained a new appreciation for these songs when I like understood where that was coming from and like the f- bigger context behind all that. So that's actually a pretty apropos description. I like that. Yeah. All right, so we're going to throw that track right now. This is your first pick. This is California Browse. This is the Dead Kennedys on the Punk and Powder podcast. You little clown 
That is the Dead Kennedys, California Uber Alice, the first pick from Referee of the Year. I just like saying that. Stuart yeah, Garvey. I like hearing it. Uh, we were uh, before the break there. We were talking about a marching band. So, so give me like yeah. an overview of how that all came about. Like, so do you play like just do you play full drum kit as well, or do you just kind of play the the marching band drum? Or am I being disrespectful I... in asking that? No, 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 no. Uh, I can like I can play drum kit a bit. Uh, I'm definitely like more specialized with like because I play like snare specifically in okay. the drum line, uh, which. It's just, it's a lot more technical. It's a lot more like, I mean, like the rudiment, the fundamentals, that kind of thing. My big hang up with the drum kit is trying to have like my feet do different things than my hands. Like I can do a bunch of crazy fills and stuff because that's all fine. But when it comes to like having a separate rhythm on like the kick drum and the hi-hats, that's when I'll sometimes like mm -hmm. trip up. So I can like, I'm mediocre on a drum kit but I'd, I'd like to think i'm pretty pretty darn good at the uh the marching snare well that's really cool so do you like put on the like the the, the outfit and the hat with the feather on it and all that kind of stuff i had a couple times like in the younger like those the, that initial like kids marching band that i was in had all of that like bells and whistles the big like the we'd have these pants that were all like almost like overall style and then like a big just a super super heavy super hot tunic which was great when all of the uh parades were in the middle of summer oh yeah uh, <laughs> and then yeah those those like the hats the the shakos as they call them with the the frill and all that i'm not like i'm i'm glad that the more recent stuff i've done is away from that like particularly with like the elks cuz mm -hmm. that's yeah a lot more casual they try to like we're there in a similar capacity to like the cheerleaders for them Mm -hmm. just there to like hype up the crowd and that's a lot more it's a, they, they try to keep it more casual to have it be more of a fun vibe than the super regimented yeah. you know marching band kind of thing do you still work for the elks then or um i i'm not this season uh i i mean like i'm open to going back in the future i just i didn't audition for this season i wanted to take a year off and see how we uh, well, honestly, I wanted to focus more on wrestling stuff. Fair enough for the time being, and like I, I, I might go back. I'm, I might not. I don't really know. But yeah, I mean, like I was, I was working there. I had five seasons with the Elks. One oh, of them yeah. being okay. the sort of like half COVID season. Yeah, where it was like, yeah, we had Matt like masked up and were very specifically in one spot in the stands and couldn't go throughout the crowd and stuff, which is you know totally fair. But it was a little bit harder to connect with the fans because a lot of what we do is less, you know, super technical drumming. And a lot of it is, you know, you got to connect with the fans. You got to like really feed off that energy and get them even more hyped. Well, that reminds me of something else that you do. Interesting. Yeah, right? <laughs> it does. And, you know, every, everything fits in. Uh, you, you see, like in, in college sports in the States, those big giant bands, they take that stuff pretty crazy serious. Yeah, and I know that there's like a couple of like NFL drum lines in particular that they, that uh, the Elks tried to pull from when they brought us in. Okay, uh, because they like they specifically contacted the director of that competitive drum line that I was a part of to like put together a drum line. So we weren't like specifically like I wouldn't say we weren't handpicked. We weren't like given a free pass. It was like he gave a announcement to everyone who was on the drum line like hey the like esks at the time were they're looking to put together a drum line for the team i think you guys should audition here's the you know pieces you need to audition and all that uh yeah and that was also that first year was when the gray cup was in edmonton okay so and when the gray cup was in edmonton though as on top of everything else with this whole you know new experience for all of us really overwhelming about two days before the gray cup uh our director gets a call from one of the higher-ups with the the asks uh and they say so we have alessia cara doing the gray cup halftime show mm -hmm. her stage manager wants a drum line for one of her songs oh okay yeah so on about two days notice not a whole lot of time or ability to put stuff together and practice we just got thrust into 
hey, you're uh, you're going to perform with the Grammy winner in front of 60,000 people. So here you go. Have fun. So if I go <laughs> back and I dig up the the Alessia Cara yep. halftime young, Grey Cup, I will see your beautiful younger, face. Younger me with glasses and no beard and yeah. Oh, now I have Look to find there. that just so I can I'll... put a clip of it up on Twitter when I post <laughs> this. Now I have homework. Thanks for nothing. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, uh, I was going to ask you something else, and then it totally slipped my mind. Uh, let's take a let's veer back into the wrestling. I think that's really cool, though. I'm I'm glad sure. that we kind of went off yeah. on that because I think yeah, that's thank you. you know you learn interesting things about people when you kind of veer off like that. Yeah. So, how did you get involved into the refereeing? I part of it was. Like, I guess certain things I didn't feel were clicking in training at one point, and I was just kind of getting down on myself, kind of, I, I think a lot of it was just mental, but I, I felt like I'd needed a bit of a change. I wanted to try something different. So I brought up to training at the time, like, hey, would you mind if I, like, maybe try refing a couple of the training matches? And because, like, I, I think that'd be interesting. I think that could be kind of cool. Uh, they did, and eventually there was... Uh, brief opening on one of the other local shows because they like they were down a ref they needed an extra person and i got called like day of by my trainer was like hey or like texted day of by my trainer was like hey would you be interested in roughing on a show sometime you can say like, yeah of okay. course okay yeah yeah no metal at the time texted uh and uh with asking if i wanted to the ref on show sometimes like yeah sure there's opening it's like okay well we have a show tonight do you want a ref oh shit okay like oh <laughs> duh. sure i uh, yeah i was i was very much just thrust into it and i mean even at that first show i i met a handful of guys that i still you know spencer and mm -hmm. i believe mrb was on that show and all these yeah people who that i also to ate uh might I say, brutal super kick in the first match I ever refed. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Uh, how many how many training like matches did you have before you actually did the real thing? Like, did you feel like you were ready? I not a ton. I I I don't know if I was as ready as I should have been in hindsight. It was kind of a trial by fire, but at the time I was doing like from that point I was pretty much like on part of the crew, and I was doing shows pretty much weekly so i like got a lot of matches in really quickly and was able to improve pretty quickly i would tend to think and having someone like uh the second show i was on ben like you know had judge ben omen mm -hmm. was on uh and he immediately like took me under his wing and was a huge huge help like gave me feedback after matches just tried to make it easier for me backstage tried to help me with you know if they had uh another show he was going to out of town he tried to be hey you want an extra ref stuff like that so yeah like legitimately when it comes to and I, you mentioned earlier i kind of feel the same it feels weird saying the word career but <laughs> during my very brief re refing career uh, up to this point like i think i owe like ben omen a, a lot yeah, I like Ben. Really, really helped me. Yeah, I think Ben's a good guy. I like Ben a lot. Yeah. Um. So, was there some anxiety going into shows? Because, like, you know, the layman wrestling. I mean, you know, the average wrestling fan knows, but somebody who maybe just watches wrestling on the slide doesn't really understand how fucking important that referee is. Yeah. Uh. At first, I was almost more intimidated by the backstage than being really? out in front of the okay. crowds. I kind of just kind to, of understand to an extent, that. yeah. Like depending, like because there was you know certain people back there who are less welcoming of new blood mm. to an extent. We'll talk uh, about that. The after. LPW, yeah, the LPW locker room is fantastic, and I genuinely to, that's one of my I favorite want you to things name, about name, LPW. After we're done recording, I want you to tell me who. Okay, I'm okay, I can do that. Uh, <laughs> well, won't air any dirty laundry on air, but yeah, oh, of course, of course, yeah. Uh, but no, uh. To an extent, I actually think my past history with music stuff helped me quite a bit because I didn't really feel the anxiety of being in front of a crowd. Oh, like I, I felt pretty comfortable in front of a crowd. Up See, to that for point. me, it's not necessarily being in front of the crowd as much as, and just because I'm a very anxious person, it's not the crowd; it's fucking it up. 
That's what yeah. I'm worried about. I could no, be that... out there in front of thousands of people. I don't care. I just don't want to fuck it up. Yeah, and, and like there, there, there's a bit of anxiety with that. And like any, like even now, if I have a match that's like with a name or uh, I have a lot of spots that I have to hit in a match. I've had both of those with LP. Like especially when I had like the Chelsea Green Casey Spinelli match, it feels. Yeah. Like they almost intentionally were like, "Hey, here's a bunch of stuff to do," <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, like, there's always a bit of nerves going in, but to an extent, that's always going to help you. Like that's the case with you know all the like the past with music and stuff. You're all, you're always going to have nerves, but you kind of have to learn how to use that to your advantage. I think. Has, has there been anything that you've, you 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 messed up on? Any fun stories that you want to share? I I don't think I had anything like extremely bad. There was one time where I had there was like a triple threat match that I was refing and the one guy who I guess put it together refused to tell me what the finish was, which I as a referee, I hate. I, yeah, see, at, like, I don't I don't think that's cool. I don't like that. It's yeah, to me it's like you're like I understand some guys mindsets of uh like I want it to feel authentic. But it's still like we're all a team. We're all trying to work together and make this work. If you're gonna keep one person in the dark, it's not gonna be as good. Yeah, like and I could that's... see you keeping me, like keeping the commentator in the dark, so you get a more genuine reaction. But in the ring, mechanically making matches work, I think you kind of need to know what's going on. Yeah, and there—that's the kind of thing. Like if I like know what's up, I don't have a. Like, I'm not super nervous. If I have, like, certain situations like that where it's like, I don't really know what's going to happen, that's when I kind of get anxious. And I did with that one. So I remember, like, the finish was, like, it's kind of a surprise roll-up. And I just slightly hesitated on the three count. And at that point, I was like, well, I can't. Because I've seen it on shows before where the ref will go one, two, uh, three. And yeah. then it just, it's, it's all That it never works. Yeah. It always feels <laughs> like, oh, no, something's wrong. Yeah. So in that context, I because it was like a small package, and they kind of like shifted weight partway through the two. So I thought it was like the kind oh, of thing okay. you see where you hit that like one, two, one, two, and then they kind of roll back and forth. Yeah. But yeah, with that brief hesitation, I was like, well, I have to sell it as if the shoulders up now, and I called that. They they fixed it really quick on the fly. But that one guy who refused to tell me the finish was not happy. He like legitimately in the ring, and I was not even two months in, I think. He legitimately, like, after the match, like, grabbed me by the collar of the shirt. He was like, you had one fucking job. And, like, threw, barely well, talked I'm, to me. I want to know night. who that is later, too. That's, uh, I, yeah, uh, I can do that. Okay. <laughs> but, <laughs> I again, yeah, I, I, don't, I feel like I don't I'm think, almost... I don't think that's cool. If they're going to leave you in the dark. No, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't like that's that. One, and that's, like, that's the only time I've had anything like that. Like, generally, people are very willing to, you know, have me have the finishes and all that there's been a couple times where matches have had to end early due to injury which is like obviously you're gonna have of course anxiety yeah. with that like because uh, you know that's probably the biggest thing in that that i take on my shoulders i think like obviously i have to you know fill the role of the ref and make things work smoothly but if someone gets hurt in there i feel like that's on me like i have to make sure that this end smoothly whether it means we have to end the match now we have to get this person out immediately mm -hmm. period and it, like it's been a couple like there was i won it like the first lpw show uh i believe the match between son of iris and chris Parrish was like not the planned ending and that was like it was very clearly like i irish communicated to me i'm hurt we're gonna have to figure this out and, like a little bit of that but at that point, you know, the nerves were there, but everything after that was like, okay, this might be the ending. This might be the ending. So it, it worked out. It, it was, it was okay. But yeah, you that's, gotta do what that's you when gotta the, do. A hundred percent. That's, that's where the anxiety comes in for me. If it does. Uh, what's it been like uh, sharing the locker room with Michael Fitzpatrick, who I often for years have sung the praises of as an absolutely amazing, like he's an amazing dude. just a great guy, yeah. but also oh, just a hundred fantastic referee, fantastic referee, fantastic. Like, like I guess mentor figure in that like sense, like he's mm -hmm. trying to, you know, impart his 
20 years of experience on the, a new guy like me to an extent. And yeah, he's, he's super helpful. He'll give me feedback consistently. Like you said, just, just a great dude. I, I, yeah, Fitz is fantastic. And like the whole like ref team that we have at LPW, I think, I think Ben has done a great job putting that together. Mm-hmm. Every time I see Fitz at the show, every time he shows up, I always give him a big hug. He's one of my favorite people. Uh, let's jump Fantastic. into your second track now. I'm gonna I'm gonna guess something here now, because you okay. talked about how the the two songs that you picked were were from various media. Yeah. Uh, the second song you picked is I think Spencer actually picked this song recently as well. But <laughs> yeah, I, I think thought, you what said that because yeah. it's a good yeah. tune. It's it a uh, Bonzo Goes to Bitburg by the Ramones. I'm mm-hmm. going to guess that you heard this song in School of Rock. It absolutely was School of Rock. Ah, yeah. and it's, that funny, is... it's funny you mentioned that. Not to, Sorry to cut you off there, but I was no. pulling the song today and I was looking at comments off of where I pulled the song from and a whole bunch of people are like, oh, I saw this song in School of Rock. That's amazing. But I mean, the montage in that movie with that song over oh, it so is good. one of the best parts of the film. It's And that film as a whole, like, to this day, that might be my favorite movie. It's great. I don't think it's like, it's, it's really it's, it's holds up. There's nothing wrong with that movie at all. No, I I watched that movie so much as a kid, and again, like I think a lot of the like vibe and just themes of that movie like really stuck with me, and like I have every intention to get like stick it to the man tattooed on me at some point. How uh, many tattoos you got? Ah. Uh, a lot of them all are small. Let's see. Eight, I think. Most of them pretty small, scattered on my legs and stuff. But Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll have to get you to take your pants off for me one day. Yeah. Ah, ah, comedy. <laughs> anyway, tell me more about the song and why you picked it. It's it's uh, one of my favorite Ramon songs. Yeah, me too. 100%. Like, I think a lot of people have the idea for punk rock music that it's kind of an ugly genre. And in a sense, like, it is like a lot of it is more like the the passion and the the emotion mm-hmm. but i think this song really shows that punk music can be really pretty like this song this is a, just a gorgeous song to listen to like it's just it's so nice it's it it, it really like pushes back against that like angry shouty punk music and it's just like a it's a beautiful song yeah, it makes from, it from these guys yeah and I, I, like similarly to california uber alice it you know has a bunch of themes and stuff like it is very pointed like politically and similarly like didn't get that gained a whole new appreciation yeah. for the song when i like really understood it and yeah it's a fantastic song I never got a chance to see the Ramones live. I was just a little bit too young. I mean, they called it quits in in '96, I believe, was when they played the last show, which is when I uh, I just turned 20. I'm a little bit older than a lot of the, the folks around here, but uh, I did get a chance to see uh, CJ Ramon came through a number of years ago and played at New City. I don't know if New City is even around anymore, but uh, I did go and he played a you know a bunch of Ramon songs and it was cool to get even just a little bit of a, of a you know, to get a chance to see, see him live. At least it's like one member that I did get to see it. It was a fun show, but always loved the Ramones. I got a Ramon sticker on the back of my car and, uh, you know, just fabulous band. I, I've read all the books and I've, you know, watched all the Absolutely. documentaries and it's just the story of, of how it all came about and how it all ended. It's just fascinatingly weird and and it never should have worked and and <laughs> you know band members that hate each other and don't talk to each other for for decades on end it's just the whole thing is is fucked up but some i mean sometimes that breeds like the best music like i mean you look at something like fleetwood mac too like mm, good call those yeah, yeah those got those people they just hated each other it would like rumors it's a miracle that album happened because it's like <laughs> the you have you know Stevie Nicks and Lindsey Buckingham in a weird on again off again. You have, you know, uh, Christine and John McVie are actively getting a divorce, and all, like none of them are speaking outside of the studio, and yet that album is a masterpiece. And it's you throw sometimes in, and throw in drugs and alcohol and yeah. divide by four, and that's what you get, I guess. Yeah, this is right. the same with the remotes. Like sometimes dysfunction breeds great art. There, there's another tattoo you can put on your leg. <laughs> All right, this is Bonzo Goes to Bitburg. This is the Ramones, the second pick from Stuart Garvey on the Punk and Father of his podcast. You get to pick up the pieces. Come on, 
Ramones, Bonza goes to Bitburg on uh, the Punk and Potterverse podcast. I believe Richie Ramone actually has a new album out that I'm going to check out right away. Ooh, I, uh, I think that's when the Ramones were kind of at yeah. their 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 hardest and fastest is when Richie was playing drums. It wasn't for very long, but uh, I'm definitely going to check that out. Uh, really quickly before I let you go, you joined me behind the microphone for uh, a commentary at the last LPW show. You suffered an injury. I don't know how much you want to talk about that. Yeah. What I... was it like? Yeah, tell me about the injury if you want and what was it like yeah. sitting down behind the microphone? Yeah, uh, I mean, like, I got injured in training back in January, actually. I'd sort of, like, tried to do the last couple of LPW shows. Probably shouldn't have, because, uh, yeah, I hurt my knee pretty badly. And I only recently just found out that it was a, uh, a meniscus tear. And That's I'm like... serious shit. Yeah, uh, like, partial tear. But, yeah, I'm, like, only now just going to start easing back in now that I, like, have confirmation of, like, what it is, because... For the longest time, doctors had absolutely no clue, but it was like, okay, well, something's very wrong. Every time you try to do something on it, it's flaring up again. Just stay off of it until we know what's wrong. Or mm-hmm. yeah, so like I hadn't, yeah, like I said, hadn't been in training. I've been away from shows and stuff. So I broached Spencer about potentially trying commentary because it's something that I like. I feel like I'm relatively knowledgeable about wrestling, and I thought that it'd be something that I might be able to contribute to an extent since you were all alone for the last few shows and how did it feel behind the microphone i thought uh i thought we we sync for for just you know throwing in their two guys together i thought we synced up pretty well and i was pretty happy with the, uh, how everything worked out how did it feel for you it it was like surprisingly natural in a way like i think certain things like going back i want to improve on and like going show like you know I have some notes for myself because I've like watched back the matches and listened to my commentary and tried to like, okay, I think that worked. Okay. Maybe want to change that. But yeah, like I, I enjoyed it. It's something that, you know, be some catastrophic injury and I can't continue roughing. I can't continue wrestling. I think I'd be really interested in 
pursuing commentary to an extent. It's and it's funny because really a, bunch fun of time. The, a bunch of the guys came to you, a bunch of the talent came to you with notes. And I'm like, what the fuck are they covering to you for notes? Like, I got to go chase people down to get notes. And then oh, no, I, I, I'm like, God damn it. No, no, I like before the show, like showed up with a note, notepad and tried to find everyone I could to try and get like story notes and move names and little bits like that. Try, I tried to be as prepared as I possibly could since I'd never done it before. Yeah, but... I tried to get everything done beforehand. I got my notebook and my Sharpie. I actually just finished before we started recording today. Um, just whenever there's new people coming in, I always want to make sure that I know what what's going on. And we just announced uh, El Asesino is coming in from Saskatchewan. And to... he worked for PWA for a few matches, but oh, this was okay. years ago. So I, I, I dropped him a line just to get a refresher. And, and Riley Rose is going to be working the, yep. the LPW uh, clandestine yeah. wrestling society thing tomorrow night. So I wanted to get a little bit of info about her. Just, you know, I want to make sure that, you know, you don't want to disrespect anybody and call stuff wrong. Course, or just yeah. like refereeing, you want to do your part and, mm-hmm. and and make everything better. It's uh yeah, it's like both refing and commentary. And I, I think Veda mentioned this when you had uh, them on that, uh, like, both of them are more crucial than people realize, like, and you don't really notice that until it's bad. Until it's shitty. Absolutely. That's yeah. very much so. Uh, where can people find you on the old social medias? Uh, I don't have a ton. Uh, my main outlet when I do post anything, uh, I've got Instagram at Stuart Garvey, S-T-E-W-A-R-T-G-A-R-V-E-Y. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I'm not, not on Twitter, haven't really made a facebook page or anything for it but yeah that's uh that's where you can find all things Stu garvey fair enough uh do you watch a lot of wrestling in your spare time like do you watch you know wwe or the indies or any of that kind of stuff i i try to like i try to keep up with everything i don't have a, a lot of time to like sit down and watch full shows but i try mm-hmm. to keep up with at the very least clips i try to have some knowledge of like as much as I can from, you know, WWE, AEW, Impact, MLW, New Japan. I was like, I found myself in past years, like I would find one promotion or one thing and like really fixate on it. And if it really clicked with me, like I was super into Lucha Underground when it was around because it was just different. It was fresh. It felt really interesting. I was and it's really, funny because really everyone's it. told me that and I never watched it. And it's oh, like the so only good. thing that I didn't God, watch. So and I had it sit on a hard drive for literally years and I never watched it. And then I don't have it on that hard drive anymore. Uh, I, should, I should see if I can I, find it again because everybody I know swore by that it was the greatest thing. Yeah, I think it's on like Tubi or something. Oh, like it's on okay. some kind of one of those streaming, weird streaming gimmicks. Yeah. But no, that one, it was just, it was, it was so weird and so completely its own thing. And it launched like so many guys that are like really popular now, like the Lucha Brothers and oh, God, yeah. No, I I loved that. I was really into like progress from. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'd probably say. I mean, like I, I actually around the time the U- the NXT UK tournament started, mm-hmm. I just wanted to learn more about these guys because I was like really interested. So I went back from the very beginning of progress and watched up to that point. And yeah, like some of those, I, I think they have some of the best like long-term storytelling in wrestling, in my opinion, like obviously, you know, the guy behind the character may not be the greatest, but like, I think the whole like arc of Jimmy Havoc in that, mm-hmm. yeah, like, I, I think that's one of the greatest wrestling character arcs in memory for me like that's they they do like certain things really well and i think they in a lot of ways have a similar air to what lpw has with that like they called themselves like punk rock pro wrestling Mm -hmm. and that like that obviously really spoke to me with all i mean you look at my song choices and all that like it's yeah like but a chance to check out uh one of the progress shows uh wrestlemania weekend in 2018 and uh we loved it it was really good all right, I'm going to let you go so I can All go right. eat hot dogs because that's <laughs> what I do, and then I'm going to go to work at 6 in the morning. Um, oh, that's fun. Just want to throw out something really, really quickly. As far as I know, this is hopefully going to be uploaded on Friday morning. If you're listening to this Friday morning, uh, don't forget to check out LPW14. What the hell is this show called again? 
Sorry, uh, Ma, sorry, Ma the forgot there's show. a wrestling show. Yeah, yes. I believe so. The replacements. <laughs> LPW uh, 14. Uh, you can check that out Friday night at 7 p.m. on Twitch. Uh, featuring uh, myself, yours truly, as well as yourself, Mr. Garvey, Absolutely. on the call if you cannot be there live in Edmonton, Alberta. So definitely check that out. Thank you, Mr. Garvey, for joining me. I uh, Thank you, know, you be- for having me. Becoming someone that I, uh, that I enjoy. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, we are going to go out to brand new music from Rancid. They dropped a new single, Ooh. I believe, uh, last week and announced a forthcoming album coming out, I believe, on June 2nd. The track is called Tomorrow Never Comes. The band is Rancid. Again, I have no idea what's going on for the podcast next week, so just keep an eye out where you find your podcasts. And thank you again, Stuart, and we will talk to you you. guys all next week.